we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things education, parenting, and mental health. Today we have a question from a listener who is homeschooling. If you have a situation you'd like our therapist and teacher advice on, visit cardiganacademy.com. Dear Cardigan Academy, I'm new to homeschooling and wanted to get your advice on how I should tailor it this fall. My kids did quote unquote pandemic schooling this past year, which just meant they did their school's online option after COVID shut everything down. We were never looking to homeschool, but they actually did pretty well and we enjoyed the close family time, so we've decided to keep them home. Now that I've had the summer to do a little more research, I've learned that there are all sorts of different ways to homeschool. Classical education, unschooling, cyber schooling, you name it. When there are so many homeschooling styles, how can I know which one is best for my children? Can you tell me more about these different approaches and which one I should pick? Sincerely, Overwhelmed by Options. I never know if listeners know that this is how Cardigan Academy started out. I know, right? (laughs) So I just wanted to put that reminder out there. We started Cardigan Academy to help others who are choosing home education because we have always homeschooled our own kids. So while that isn't the whole of everything we're doing now, I just always love coming back to it. Yeah, it's like our roots, right? Mm -hmm. Our roots and branches and our branches are very much like the cloops and the podcast and all the amazing things we get to do with our clients. But at the root of it all, a lot of it is comes back to homeschooling, parenting and homeschooling approaches even. Yeah. Before recording today, listeners, (laughs) Devani and I talked for quite a while about, here we go, another fall homeschooling. And we talked about what we're doing and what it looks like and how it evolves over the years. So this is a very timely topic. Yeah. And sometimes it evolves several times throughout the year as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's funny because Stacy shared a quiz with our local homeschool group last year, I think it was. Yeah, sometime during the pandemic, I think I found it. Yeah, we all took it and I'll link to it in the show notes. Basically, you were answering questions about how you thought philosophically or or how your kids learned best. So The short answer is overwhelmed by options. We can't necessarily tell you without meeting with you which one is going to be best for your child or children. But this quiz helps with that and our two-on-one help sessions help with that as well. In fact, we're walking several people through that again this year. We can meet with families monthly or seasonally or even just once to talk about all of these homeschool options. It's actually a lot of fun because we get to know you and your kids and your family and your styles and we take everything into consideration and say, oh, you know what you should do for such and such a child for math is here's an option you can look at. And when we meet regularly, we can also adjust and say, oh, okay, that's not working. Well, then let's, why isn't it working? Oh, well then here's the better fit. 
um, which is not unlike what we do with our own families. Yeah, or we'll think of a resource with your child in mind and bring it up the next time we meet with you. So you're right. That is one of my favorite things that we do. It's come from what between us, you and me, Devani, we have 30 years of homeschool experience. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of years of trial and error and finding resources and knowing what works and doesn't work and knowing what's out there. We've said this so many times, but anybody who's suddenly thrust into it because of the pandemic, has it's got to feel like so well overwhelmed by yeah. options is a great yeah. way to put it. <laughs> yeah. So the quiz, which you can take, breaks it down by 10 different styles. So we thought what we would do today is go through some of those and maybe we can even share how we scored on the quiz and what some of these approaches look like in our own home. Yeah. And I think uh, something Devani and I talk about a lot with this is knowing that there are so many approaches to homeschooling, while that can be indeed overwhelming, in a way it's also kind of freeing because even though all these years I've known about all these different styles, I don't do them all. Mm -hmm. And it's a reminder that there's so many ways to approach this and there's no one way. And so you can choose one way if that's what suits you and your family and your kids and works well, or you can play with it. Or like Devani said, tweak it as you go, or you can take part of this one and part of that one and create what works best for you. So hopefully that rather hopefully we can flip the script so that instead of being overwhelmed by options you're freed up by knowing that there are so many options and that you don't have to do them all and you can be aware of them but choose what works for you there are even these really cool uh homeschooling groups that are people who it's like a lifestyle so you've got road schooling and these are people who maybe live in an rv and they move from place to place nomadically and they you know learn about the area that they're in and they do a lot of schooling in the car or some people just drive a lot they drive very far for things and so they listen to audiobooks or whatever and so they call themselves road schoolers as opposed to homeschoolers because most of the learning is happening in the car there is game schooling so these families learn almost entirely through playing games board games video games card games world schooling are people who live all over the world just like it sounds maybe they've left their country of origin and moved you know i've i've seen families in france and the netherlands and thailand and everywhere some of these families move around but they're teaching their kids wherever they are and they're raising world citizens so you know not all of us are going to live in an rv and go across the world there's some people i think that sold everything got a boat and mm -hmm. you know set out to sea for a year and we're not all gonna do those things, but I still think those stories can be inspiring to remind us that we can do whatever we want. <laughs> That's a great point. And it reminded me of the fact that when I took this quiz, sometimes I was even answering questions based on, I would think, oh, I do that with one child, but not so much the other one, or yep, that works for him, but not for her. So even within the same family, there can be some differing styles of approaches as well. Yeah, different families, different kids, different areas, different years. Like mm -hmm. Our homeschooling has looked different every year. It, it, even our days look different. I, I have a hard time with the, what's your typical schedule? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's a typical Tuesday? Uh, it's different all the time. Now that 
does that mean all homeschool families are going to give that answer? No. Some people mm-hmm. are very structured in their approach. Uh, when we started homeschooling, I'm going to be honest, we basically did school at home. Yeah, so did we. Yeah. I did just you? tagged you in that post on Facebook where I was kind of, I, I mean, it was probably seven years ago and I was having a moment evening, you know, by bath time, but I could see they were both learning. Mm-hmm. It was actually in the bath. One of them was doing foam letters on the wall and the other one was learning about water displacement. And I said in this Facebook post, not only is this not going to look like school at home, but I needed to change my educational philosophy because I was a classroom teacher. Mm -hmm. And so some of that stuff still applies, but a lot of it looks wildly different when you homeschool. Yeah. And I think it makes sense that when a lot of families begin, they do replicate school at home because it's what we know you know most of us were students in public school and of course we're going to replicate what we know what what else would we do and so it's okay overwhelmed by options if when you start out one way you do what you know and then as you learn different ways and tweak things that you change it up and just give yourself that grace and space that um know that all homeschool families do this that it's a learning process and it takes time and The biggest key here is know your child, know what makes them tick, what makes them come alive. Try to incorporate more of that. And remember that learning happens all the time. I have a story about the, and I've told this in a a past podcast, but I'll, I'll give you the real short version. But the reason we even got into homeschooling, it was not on our radar was because a friend recommended a book to me and I uncharacteristically did not research it because I trusted her so much and I just ordered the book. And when it arrived, it was a book about homeschooling and I was very surprised and kind of thought, great, now what are we going to do with this thing? But my husband started reading it and said, I think this is a good fit for our family. And I will tell you that the two things that appealed to us um, were flexibility and family time. And so a lot of people homeschool for religious reasons or health reasons or whatever it may be. Ours were actually family time, flexibility, and academic reasons are the three I think mine come down to. Mm -hmm. So because it wasn't on our radar and because we got the idea from this book, when we started homeschooling, besides replicating school at home, we also did what the book suggested. And this book was all about classical education. It's called The Well-Trained Mind. And the structure and organization of it was so appealing that played into convincing us to homeschool. And so we started out doing a classical education approach. I'm going to be very honest with you. My kids are 18 and 21. We did not stick with it, but I still think it's a really cool approach for people who really like structure and are super organized. Um, Basically, the well-trained mind approach, the classical education approach, is it's really interesting. I like geeking out on this stuff, but you, you and your children learn together about history, the history of the world from the beginning of time until now. And when you take that whole time period and divide it by four, you have, you know, four chunks and you, you do like first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. So in that elementary school year, you're going to learn all the history and the way that they approach it is they make all of the school subjects align so that you're not learning about dinosaurs in history, but modern chemistry and science, but American 18th century literature in English, because instead of it being all over the place, they keep everything cohesive and you learn all of the subjects chronologically um, in order. And then what happens in middle school is you repeat that, but you make things a little bit, you turn up the difficulty level kind of. And then in high school, you do it a third time. And now you're really turning up the difficulty level 
appropriately, the elementary years are the grammar years. So just reading, writing, absorbing information. The middle school years are about logic. Now you're learning cause and effect. This happened, therefore this was the result. And then in high school, that's the rhetoric level. And that's when you're now interpreting, you're writing essays. And so the way they approach it with books is that in elementary school, you might read an illustrated Iliad and the Odyssey pictures and it's really simple and then in middle school you might when you get to that part you're going to read it now abridged with a few illustrations and then in high school you're going to read the primary source and so by the time a high schooler is reading something like that they've been exposed to it at least two times and it's not brand new um, so this is kind of how we started and we incorporated a little bit of something we learned called the thomas jefferson education which is all about reading books and having mentors so we just tried to incorporate those principles but this was so structured, it did not entirely suit us. So speaking of that, when you take the quiz, you get a positive or negative score number mm -hmm. based on how aligned you are with the style. So the highest number you get would be the style you're most aligned with. While anything negative, obviously, would be like, mm, probably not a good fit. <laughs> I'm just interested, Stacy. what are your scores? <laughs> My range went from negative 23 to positive 23. <laughs> And on the far, far negative side was traditional schooling. Okay, so for traditional, I also had negative five. Interesting, that's probably the teacher in you that made it a little higher. Yes, and letting go of that. I bet the longer we homeschool, mm. the more that negative number it is. Yeah. Having that moment of clarity with both kids at bath time saying what worked in the classroom is not the perfect fit for us here at home. And that doesn't mean it won't be for other people. It's just, yeah, in the negative for us. Okay. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, I got an eight and classical, I got a nine. Okay. Thomas Jefferson, I got a six and classical, I got a 12. So interesting. Okay. And to our listeners, you should know that, uh, Devaney and I, our kids, there's a, it's like, what, what do we say? It's 10 years apart, right? Yeah. My kids are similar in age, same age difference as Devaney's kids, but 10 years older. So what you're saying, Devaney, about, again, not just the classroom teacher in you, but also that you're kids are a little they're younger right there's an your the evolution is still happening yes yeah that's such a good point i like doing it this way this is interesting so next would be the other extreme of the spectrum <laughs> from traditional which is unschooling when i learned this term because i was doing it more structured early on i was like unschooling that's code for lazy that's what i thought um <laughs> which we, we now actually refer to when people just don't do anything. My husband has coined the term unparenting. Yeah. Because <laughs> unschooling's actually work. It sounds like it's yeah. not, but there's also a term that overwhelmed by options should know and anyone who's starting homeschooling. There's a term called de-schooling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the literature out there, a lot of people will recommend this. I think it's a good idea too that when your child has been in school and now you're going to homeschool, that it's okay to give yourself like a year of de-schooling where you just sort of decompress from the previous way before you jump headfirst into something else. You know, you're learning, you're doing things, you're hanging out, but it's just sort of a year of decompression mm -hmm. because now your kids are always gonna compare what you're doing at home to what they've done at school and they're really not the same, but it's understandable that your kids would compare. So just, yeah. you know and space yeah even we are comparing right because we went <laughs> if you did go to public school like we did we've gone the whole way through so you always have those reminders those memories creeping up on you 
as much as you, even when you've decided you're not recreating it at home, I think it, when did I learn to read music? <laughs> I, my husband and I had that conversation one time. He was like, have our kids learned to read music? When did we learn that? And it was a good reminder of something, but we mm -hmm. also didn't need to learn it at the exact same timetable as public school because that's part of the reason we're not choosing public school so that we can do it on our own schedule. Yeah, and I think that was those, you mentioned earlier, those moments of clarity along the way. There are so many of those and they always help. And I think one of mine was, if I'm going to replicate school at home, I might as well just send them to school. Like, what am I doing here? And, and you and I can just go have sushi during yeah. the day. <laughs> like I hear that some moms do from seven to three, they're, they're free to do whatever till the kids get home, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a little, it looks different. It, you tweak it as you go and that's okay. When, when I was replicating school at home, I would be like, I had a schedule on the white, we had a whiteboard, we had a classroom. I said eight o'clock English, nine o'clock math. I'm making up these times. It probably was more like nine and 10, but nine o'clock English, 10 o'clock math. And I remember at 9.58 thinking, okay, we have to hurry up and get this done and do the next. And I thought, what am I doing? I yeah. made the schedule. Why is the schedule? Why am I gonna let this stress me out? And I definitely don't wanna have a stressed environment for my kids. So I got rid of the times. I said, well, why don't we just make a list and do it in order, however long it mm -hmm. takes us. So even that was an evolution. So no one, I don't think anyone jumps into hunt, unschooling because it is so extreme on the other side of the spectrum. It's very, very, very loose in structure. There are no rules, there are no demands. It is completely open. It is not lazy, it involves work, but instead of having a set curricula, you're instead of going into the school year being like, okay, here are the subjects we're gonna do and here's how we're gonna do it. It's a little bit more open, very child-led. You're following your kid's lead. And I have two quotes here that I grabbed for this episode because they they really put in perspective what unschooling is. A lot of people say, ah, I couldn't do unschooling because it's just not enough structure for me. And this quote is a big deal. It's by John Holt and he said, when pressed, I define unschooling as allowing children as much freedom to learn in the world as their parents can comfortably bear. Mm. So you have to, you can be as loose with this as you want mm -hmm. to your comfort level. If it's so loose that you are now uncomfortable, that's not going to work well. The, mm -hmm. It's not going to be a good feeling in your home. So it doesn't mean throw everything out the window. It's You can loosen things up to the point that you as a parent are comfortable. Um, and the other quote I have here is that unschooling does not mean a life without limits. It means a life without arbitrary limits. And I think that unschooling, the unschooling approach that we've incorporated ourselves, it makes me stop and ask the question, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this this way? And making sure I've got a good answer for that. That's that, it, it doesn't mean no limits, it means no arbitrary limits. So it's very similar to what we teach in our parenting group. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> What is your score score for unschooling? That was my highest, even though we are not, I wouldn't ever call ourselves complete. I've never felt comfortable enough to just be like fully embrace mm -hmm. unschooling. But as the years have gone on, we lean, I would say we lean unschooling more mm -hmm. and more. So that was my highest score at 23. It was my second highest oh. at 21. Hey, that's pretty high and your kids are younger. So go yeah. Devaney. <laughs> Well, we, and we have found that as we have let go a little bit more and been more child-led, the kids are more engaged and excited. Mm -hmm. And isn't that what we want? So that works well for us. Yeah. Last, 
I guess last August into September, we were hatching monarchs. It just really took a good portion of our day. When one was emerging, we would determine whether it was a male or female. We were graphing whether we had more males or females. We were getting the milkweed for them. And so unschooling and my second highest, which was unit studies, Hmm. kind of go hand in hand for something like that. Oh, the kids are suddenly very interested in monarchs. And so maybe the math book is sitting to the side temporarily while we do math through this unit study. That's a good, that's a, that's a good point. Those really do go well. And, and it's for a time, right? It's for a season. I think it's a lot like anybody, maybe like minimalism in the sense that if you have a schedule that is jam-packed and then your family discovers that they have an interest in, say, geocaching. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so cool. We should do more geocaching. And you look at your schedule and you're like, oh, but we can't because we have baseball three nights a week and we have dance two days. Like, oh, no, we can't do this thing. I think that's how I felt sometimes when my school approach at home was so structured mm-hmm. that the kids would get really excited about learning something. And I'm like, well, I can't figure out when to squeeze that in. And I realized I don't want to have to say that. So I had to find that happy medium where we're, there's some structure, but there's enough openness and flexibility and possibility in our days that when they do get excited about something, we've got that space to say, this is cool. Let's do it. Like, so for us during the pandemic, we as a family binge watched the West Wing. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot about what life is like in the West Wing of the White House. And this led to so much looking we get curious it's a really smart show and they 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 present the show like you know stuff and sometimes we did not always know the mm-hmm. stuff so we learned about the filibuster and we learned about how they time their votes and what really goes into these things happening in congress and how much happens behind the scenes and we would we would do these deep dives we would pause episodes or finish an episode and say is that real and we'd go look it up and so in a, in a sense, the entire year, we learned so much political science, mm-hmm. but we didn't start the year saying we are going to study political science right. and we are going to use this textbook, but it happened so naturally. And then we added books and resources and sort of rounded out what we were so naturally doing anyway. Yeah. So it is very much on school meets unit studies or project led learning then because whatever life leads them to through unschooling, you are putting those resources and supports in place and giving the room for them to really dive into it. What was your unit studies score? That was the highest. It was 25. Oh, that's right. Okay. So surprisingly, mine's a nine, but project-based learning, I got a 19. I got a 21 on that. So that was tied for unschooling too. And I I think project-based learning and unit studies are actually kind of similar. I do too. And maybe they're thinking unit studies more the parent presenting the unit. We're doing a unit on Mm -hmm. the solar system. So we're going to do math and reading and science and everything is writing around that unit. Whereas if we're doing, I guess it doesn't matter if it's unit-based or project-based, but we're still letting it be student-led because Mm -hmm. we lean on schooling, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think project-based tends to be like, oh, my kid's interested in learning how to set up a website. And now that's your goal and your focus. Mm. But what goes into that? Well, what's the website going to be about? Is it going to be about 
the solar system. Okay, we better get some books on that, research it. Are you going to have a page for each planet? And so now you've incorporated a school subject into this project the kid is interested in, which is really fun. I mean, that's yeah. how I, I'd love to learn. It, it, it's turning education on its head. I see how kids get excited about summer camps. I get to spend a whole week learning how to make a film or write a book. If that's fun, that's how they learn. We learn when we're playing. Like, we should be making sure we're doing this in school too. And it doesn't have to be elaborate, but you want to see them come alive. So the next several styles of homeschooling, we are just going to preface with the fact that while we probably incorporate parts of this into what we do, neither Stacy nor I are all in on any of them. Mm -hmm. So Montessori is based off of Maria Montessori, and it is quote-unquote errorless learning. So the kids learn at their pace. There is no such thing as error. It's very um, humanistic. There's a lot of free movement. It's unstructured, simple versus complicated. It's gentle, and you have multiple grades together. And the kids have options. So teachers are not teachers as much as learning alongside or helping to it's not instructing what do i want to say is it like facilitating yes that's perfect which is homeschooling yeah and a lot of manipulatives which i do love i like a lot of loose parts and and play so my score for that was actually pretty high it was 18. oh mine was too 18. i wouldn't say that my website still playing school is based on montessori but you will see a lot of those common elements there if you look at the activities that i've published makes sense as you were describing it i was like oh well maybe we do kind of do this one but i wouldn't say to someone oh yes we use a montessori method someone that's coming to this from the other side someone who's overwhelmed by options mm -hmm. might want to have a term for something that fits that we're um, describing right now so they can go out and research mm -hmm. it and right look for curriculum and that sort of thing that makes sense and then another one is waldorf which is play and cooperation based the subjects are not separated from one another. So this is holistic and similar to Montessori, but more of an emphasis on imagination and fantasy. So uh, there's often, if you go on Etsy, there's a lot of Waldorf-inspired toys, like needle-felted fairy dolls, but they don't have facial uh, features or wood discs that the kids can build with, but you know, maybe they're using it now to make a house and then later they're using it for their animals. So just a lot of freedom as far as the materials go. Lots of pretend play. That's where the imagination and fantasy comes in. If you've mm -hmm. got a plain toy, you now turn it into more that I'm guessing that's where that comes from. Yeah, I think so. I scored an eight for that. I also scored an eight for that. <laughs> I think there's probably elements of it in our schooling, but you know, I wouldn't say to somebody, oh yes, we do a Waldorf approach. Right. We'll talk more about that when we talk about Peter Gray, but he's another one, an educator we really like. And his, just briefly, if if he could change our educational system in schools, this is the style he would like to see mm -hmm. happen in brick and mortar buildings. And I think if school were set up that way, I, I might be more inclined actually to send my kids. Yeah, I'm excited when we do a whole podcast episode on Peter Gray. Me too. So another approach you hear sometimes about is Charlotte Mason. Um, the approach there is that children are not containers to be filled, but they are people deserving of respect. You have maybe more discussion rather than memorization and regurgitation. 
And she, Charlotte Mason was very into outside play daily, no matter the weather. I'm way too wussy for that. <laughs> so we do yeah. not go out and play in the rain and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff very much once in a while, but that's not me. Be overwhelmed by options as you're listening to all this. If something sounds great to you and gets you excited, look into that. And if you hear something and your bodily reaction is to recoil or think, no, 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 maybe that's when you don't have to do a deep dive on it. Yeah. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. What did you score on that one? I got an eight on that as well. Okay. I got a nine. And then finally, an approach can be relaxed slash eclectic slash child led. So basically that's a mix of all of these and however you want to structure it. And if that feels too overwhelming and you need to narrow it down, you can pick one or two of these and go with it. And if narrowing it down is too stressful, then remember that you can pick and choose and go with this eclectic child-led approach. The thing I like about all of these approaches and however you put it together in a way that suits your family, and it's okay to also try them out with trial and error, um, and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. You can use your library and resources at home. The thing I like about all these is that they allow for a growth mindset in the sense that failure, I don't like that word failure, mm -hmm. but just that their quote unquote failure is okay and that you learn from it. So there's less grading and did you get it right or wrong, except for, you know, math. <laughs> yeah. But just in general that you're, you're learning as you go and that the, that the process means as much as the product or outcome when you're incorporating that and a love of learning and just a natural approach to what you do in your home you're going to have so much learning happening in such an organic fun way you are going to be amazed at how much your kids are picking up on a daily basis whether it's something you planned into your day or didn't warmly cardigan academy if you have a situation you'd like our teacher and therapist advice on we've included the link to submit your letter in the show notes you can also always contact us via cardiganacademy.com.